You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad that you are joining us this morning. Uh, looking forward to our time together. I want to reiterate what Justin just said. Uh, this time of prayer, season of prayer that's kicking off this Wednesday. Really want to encourage you to participate in that. Wednesday will sneak up on you because it's a Wednesday and it's going to be like, you know, middle of the week. You're already in your groove. And so please make a decision right now. Put it in your calendar. Like commit to it. Let's gather for the concert of prayer and let's begin the 40 days of prayer that actually starts on March 6th, this Wednesday. Love to be able to go through that together and see how God answers our prayers for our city. And then you're also the aspect of this thing as we're also praying for the whole world and uh, through guided prayer. It's really, really going to be a great time. So I'm really looking forward to that. But Today, we're uh, going to continue working through the book of Philippians. We've been in for the last few weeks. And so for the last two weeks, I've been teaching about how Jesus makes it possible for us to live out the commands found in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4. Here's what this says, if you want to remember. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And so for two weeks, I've taught on that. For two weeks, I've prepared messages on that. I spend hours and hours. I spend so many hours working on these messages. You guys have no idea. I'm actually embarrassed how long I've been putting messages together. But hours and hours, spending time reflecting on this. Two weeks teaching on this, teaching about how who Jesus is and what he's done and how the mind of Christ and how he served us makes it possible for us to serve others. Two weeks. And then two days after last Sunday's message, second message on this topic, two days after, on Tuesday night, Chris and I have a babysitter lined up. Actually, it's Phil Seibert. He's coming over to watch our kids uh, after they went to bed. And so he's coming over, and Chris and I are going to go out on a date. Except that I walk into the kitchen where Krista was uh, hanging out, and I say to her, I don't really want to go out tonight. I, I'm tired, and it's, it's not that I don't want to be with you, dear. I, I love being with you, but I'm just so worn out, and this is a really busy week, and this is the only night this week that we would be able to be home. And so, like, I, I really, I just want to stay in. Can we just stay in and watch TV and, like, be together but watch TV? Which really just meant I just want to watch TV. And, um, and amazingly, she didn't throw something at me. In fact, even more amazing, she didn't respond sarcastically. She didn't say, like, oh, really? Huh, what's all that have the mindset of Christ? What, what's that all consider one another's interests ahead of your own? What, 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 I think I heard something about that the last two weeks from your mouth. What, what's up with that? She didn't even say that. She, she's just really godly. She, she, just, she just turned to me and said, well, that makes me really sad because I was really looking forward to going out with you tonight. Which was way worse, right? And, and I definitely deserved. Now, thankfully, we, we talked it out, and I actually went out, and we took her out on a date, and we had a great time. But that's because she's super gracious and quick to forgive. But we, we, had, we had a good time. But let me, I tell you that story just to ask this question. Why did I do that? Like what, and really, I could put it this way. Why do I, why do I keep doing that? 
right? I mean, like, I, I know I'm called to live selfless life. I know I've been teaching on it, and I really believe what I've been teaching. Like, this, Jesus makes it possible for us to serve one another, put others' interests ahead of our own. It's so true. He can, gives us the power. He compels us to do it, and yet, so often I don't do it. Why is that? Like, like why am I not growing to the degree that I want to? You feel that way? Perhaps it's in this area of being selfless. Perhaps it's in other areas. I mean, you're just really committed. Like, I want to obey Jesus. I really want to become more like Jesus. And yet, I lose my temper again. I lose my patience again. I really want to be like you, Jesus. I really want to, to, to honor you with my life. But, but you, you, know, you sleep with your girlfriend again. You sleep with your boyfriend again. You're like, I wasn't going to do it, but then, but then you do it. Or you, you know, say, okay, well, I'm, I'm really, I'm committed to, to being generous, and this, this is the time. This is the month. I'm going to give some of my money away. I'm going to be a generous person. But then end of the month comes, and you spend all your money on yourself. And you're like, well, why do you do that? Like, how, friends, how do we grow? How do we change? How do we become more like Jesus? And for those of you here today that are exploring faith in Christ, and perhaps you're not a Jesus follower yet, you're not ready to be a Christian, you haven't trusted him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, you might have another question that's similar to this. It might be this, that you're thinking, hey, if, if I were to trust in Christ, would that make me a better person? Like how would faith in Jesus actually help me be better? And maybe you even ask, would it? actually help me be a better person. Like, how does our faith, or the possibility of having faith in Christ, how could that possibly lead to, to being more like Jesus? Has you have, ever have that question? Well, this morning, I hope you did do, because we're going to talk about that, <laughs> all right? And so uh, the passage we're going to be in today, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18, dives right into this topic. Really, how do we change? How do Christians grow in obedience to God and become more like Jesus in our character? And what we're going to see when we look at this passage, here's a little preview, is that the answer is, this is how we change, this is how we grow to become more like Jesus. Here it is. We have to work out. We have to work out. Now, I know some of y'all, y'all love working out, and so that might not sound so bad. I personally, I don't know if you can tell, I, I hate working out. In fact, this week I was talking to Jason about this message, and Jason, our worship leader, uh, who's incredibly talented, that he could pull that off with a broken string, and that's, you know, way to go, dude. But um, I told Jason we're talking about this, and he says, you can't talk on that. <laughs> You're not an expert on, on talking on the topic of working out. Clearly, no one's going to listen to you. And I thought that was really mean of him to say. <laughs> but um, I'm not talking about physical working out. I'm talking about spiritual workout. And here's the thing. Uh, it's true that just like if you want to get in better shape physically, you have to work out. I hear. It's helpful. Um, if you want to get in a better place spiritually, you also have to work out. In fact, the Apostle Paul, writing to his disciple or his apprentice in the faith, he, uh, he says this in 1 Timothy. He tells him, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So he's saying, hey, if you want to grow in godliness... You got to train. Like, you got to work out. 
So that idea probably will lead you to ask a couple of questions, right? Like, okay, what does that look like? Like, what am I to work out? And, and how am I to work out if I want to grow in godliness? In fact, and this passage we're looking at today, it answers those questions. In fact, it answers even more of the questions than that. It, asks, it answers, what does it look like to work out? Or what are we to work out? How are we to work out? Where are we to work out? And what results if we work out? So that's where we're headed this morning. So go, to, go ahead to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 12. All right? And I'll have the words up here as well for you if you want to follow along that way. And I just want to look at this first verse to see the kind of answer to the question, um, what are we to work out? And here's what it says, the beginning. It says, therefore, my dear friends, and just pause there real quick, because therefore, when you see therefore in Scripture, you should always ask, what's what's therefore there for? Like, what's it pointing back to? Clever, huh? And um, it's pointing back to 6 through 11, what we taught on last week, the mind of Christ, that how he served us and even became obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we could be united with God and to the praise of the Father and all that. And so that's what he's pointing back to. He says, therefore, in light of how Christ has served us, here's what we should do. And then he goes on to say, uh, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, like Christ obeyed, and like you obeyed, not only in my presence, but, how much, but much more in my absence, Continue, continue in obedience by working out or work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so what's this say we're to work out? Work out your salvation. You're so shy. Work out your salvation. It's right there. Okay? Helpful? If you're like me, I, I read that and I think, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean, work out my salvation? What, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? And so before I answer that question, let me give you a, a, a really helpful Bible study tip, all right? Here it is. Every time you see the word salvation in Scripture, you should always ask this question. Salvation from what? You should always ask salvation From what? Because here's the thing. The word salvation only means deliverance from or rescue from. But what you're delivered from or what you're rescued from is not implied. It's not included in this word. It just means deliverance from or rescue from. So you have to ask the question, salvation from what? Let's do that together. Here's the question. Salvation from what? See, now you're growing as Bible scholars. It's so good. I'm so proud of you. So, um... But it's really important. It's really important to ask that question because in Scripture, the word salvation is used a lot to refer to salvation from or deliverance from or rescue from a lot of different things. In fact, let me just point out a few. There's really two big buckets, if you will. There's physical salvation or salvation from physical things, and there's salvation from spiritual things. And so if you think, example, for physical salvation, you have in Matthew 9.22 a reference of salvation from sickness. Like saved from being sick. Or there's salvation from danger in Acts 27, verse 20. It's just physical salvation. I've been rescued from being sick. I've been rescued from danger. Or go to the other big category, that would be spiritual salvation. And this is where things get even more complicated, as you can see by my fancy chart. Because when the scriptures talk about salvation on a spiritual sense, there's at least three main categories of what we are saved from. The first is salvation from the penalty of sin. 
Now, this is where our mind normally goes when we see the word salvation. But that's not what it always means. But this is, there's certainly verses that talk about salvation from the penalty of sin. And this is, the theological word for it is justification. This is past tense salvation. So if you go to Ephesians 2.8, it talks about how you have, like through God's grace, you have been saved. Like past tense, you have been saved through faith. That this is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Like that's, that's this kind of salvation. Salvation from the penalty of sin and the result of it is eternal life. And really, it's eternal life because through faith in what Jesus Christ did for the forgiveness of your sins, you are united with God at that moment, the second you believe. And in that moment, that's when you have eternal life that you will enjoy forever because God is the source of eternal life. So that's the result of this. Salvation from the penalty of sin. But there's another type of salvation spoken of in Scripture, and that's salvation from the presence of sin. Theological word for this is sanctification. And this is present tense salvation, that you are being saved from the power of sin, resulting in Christ's likeness or becoming more like Jesus. So there's a reference for you there. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 is just one of, the other, one of the places that talks about this kind of salvation. And then there's a third, salvation from the power of sin. I'm sorry. Salva- <laughs> you know what? I got these mixed up. Wow, I'm really throwing you off. Okay, this should be here and this should be there. Okay. I did this at midnight last night. No joke. So <laughs> that's what I blame. Okay, salvation. <laughs> so this sanctification, just to be clear, is salvation from the power of sin. This is Glorification is salvation from the presence of sin. All right, just trying to keep you on your toes. And salvation from the presence of sin, glorification, that's future tense salvation, that you will be saved. So 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, Peter uh, talks about this. Well, he says it this way. He says, uh, the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. For in the last time, when Christ appears, if, you've, if you're in Christ, then you will be like him. Sin will be gone from your life, and he will make a new heavens, a new earth. Sin will be gone from that creation. This is glorification. It's coming, salvation from the very presence of sin. Now, I wanted to spend some time on that because this word, just to highlight, like this word salvation, it can mean any one of those things. It can point to any of those things. It's like, it's like the word trunk, right? If I'm talking about a trunk, you have to listen to the context to know, am I talking about a car? Am I talking about a tree? Am I talking about an elephant? Same thing with the word salvation. Anytime you see it mentioned in Scripture, you ask the question, salvation from what? And then you look to the context to get the clue of what it's saying we're saved from. Helpful? Hopefully, okay? It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you understand Scripture a lot better if you do that. Now, that's super important because in this passage, if you, if you connect, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and you think that's talking about salvation from the penalty of my sin. That's how I become justified before God. That's how I become right before God. That's why God would allow me into his presence. It's how I get eternal life. I have to work that out. If that's how you think, then, then that's going to really mess you up because that is absolutely not what the Bible teaches. That is not the message of the gospel. You do not work 
to have God save you from the penalty of your sin and make you right with him, to reconcile you with him and unite yourself with him. You do not work. In fact, Paul even says this super clearly in his letter to the church in Rome. Romans 4 verse 5, he puts it this way. To the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, can't be any clearer than that. Does not work, just trust this happens. God credits you righteousness, you're united with him. You do not work for this. So, in con- then we come back to this question. Okay, we have to work out if we're going to grow in godliness. Well, what do we work out? We work out our salvation. What does that mean? Well, salvation from what? We look at the context of this passage and we, here's what we see. Whoa, my voice just cracked. That was amazing. Here's what we see. It's just a comedy of errors today. The, um, Paul's writing to Christians in the church in Philippi, church that he helped start. And in the immediate context, he's telling them, here's how you should relate to one another. Like, treat each other in this way. Treat each other like Christ has treated you. Have the same mindset as that as Christ Jesus. Like, become more like Jesus in how you relate to one another. Well, given that's the context, then clearly the salvation here is salvation from the power of sin. That which is keeping us from becoming like Christ and relating to one another like Jesus. And so if you ask the question, what are we to work out? The answer is this. We're to work out our salvation from the power of sin. We are to work out our salvation from the power of sin. If you're in your Bible, you might want to write that. Work out your salvation. You just write sanctification, write out from the power of sin. That's what Paul is talking about here. But then that should lead us to another question, which is, how do you do that? Like, what does, what does that look like? Work out your salvation from the power of sin? How, how do you do that? And that's a great question. The key to understanding, or one of the keys to understanding the answer to that question, how do we do this? How do we work out? Is found in the phrase, work out. Because notice, Paul does not say, work for your salvation from the power of sin. He says, work out your salvation from the power of sin. And let me just give you an observation here. It's going to blow your mind. You can't work out what hasn't already been placed in. Is that, that's good, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, just think about it. Like you're working out your muscles, right? You can't work out your muscles if you don't have any muscles. If you don't have any muscle tissue at all in your body, no matter how, how much you try to do anything, which you can't do anything if you didn't have no muscles. But um, you wouldn't be able to grow your muscles if you don't have any muscles. But because we have muscle tissue albeit some of ours, like mine, smaller than I wish it was, not as well-defined, but I have it so I can work out my muscles. Well, that's key for you to understand how do we work out here because Paul tells us there's something inside of us already that we're supposed to work out. And that's what he gets into in verse 13, back to the passage. He says it this way. He says, um, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Paul's saying here, hey, let me tell you what's going on inside of you, within you. God is at work causing you to will 
or you could say causing you to desire and to act, to actually do or work in, in, a, in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is what's inside of you based on what God has done. He's working this in you. Now work that out. To which you might say, <laughs> that's not helpful. <laughs> like, what does that look like? I don't really even understand. Like, you're telling me, okay, I have within me the, the, the desire to, to obey God and the power to obey God. Well, that, that's great, but, like, I don't, um, I don't really feel that oftentimes. And so I don't know if that's really true. And even if I do have that in me, like, how do I work that out? What, is, what does that even mean? It's not, not helpful. So if that's where you are, then let me try to explain this a little bit differently. Let me just quote my pastor when I was in college. He put it this way, all right? He said, talking about this passage, he says, The great present hope for the believer is that God is working continuously in you so that you both desire and do the Father's good pleasure. Which means there's never a time when God provides the power to do his will without also providing the desire. Nor does he ever provide the desire without the power. God provides supernaturally both the yearning to do his will and the ability to accomplish it. But, and this is key, we must appropriate both by faith. That's big, that's Big, big, big thing you got to catch. For listen, faith is how we are to work out what God has placed within. Like you ask this question, what are we to work out? We work out our salvation from the power of sin. How do we work out? We work out, we work that out by exercising faith, specifically by exercising faith that God is doing what he said he is doing. That he is inside of you because you've been united with him through faith in Christ. And he is actively giving you, working within you, a desire to do his will and the power to act on that. And so by faith, you work that out. See, um, the way we change, friends... The way we become more like Jesus is through faith. It's not, and this is contrary to how we normally think and function, it's not through just gritting our teeth and just bearing down and trying harder to be a good person, trying harder to obey God. That's not the key to growing, according to this passage. That's not how you work out your salvation. You won't become more like Jesus by in your own strength and power or the Bible's term for it, your flesh, by just saying, I'm going to try harder. You don't have it within you in your own sense. You have to depend on God. You have to trust. You have to have faith that he is working within you. And when you lean on him, then you grow. You work out by exercising your faith, what he's already worked within. Now, if you think, okay, that's, I don't know, I don't know about that. Let me give, give you another passage where Paul makes this point super strongly. It's in, it's in a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. And he, he tells them this in Galatians 3, 2 through 3. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit sharp. 
It's a little bit sarcastic, but here's what he says. He says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, stop there. They would have heard that question, and they would have responded. Oh, well, we received the Spirit, or another way to put it, united with God, reconciled to God. That happened to us by believing. That wasn't because we did good things. That's not how you, you can't earn your salvation from the penalty of sin. So they said, yeah, no, no, we, we got the Spirit through belief, through faith. But then he says, okay, yeah, that's right, by believing what you heard. Are you so foolish? That's, that's kind of mean, right? It's kind of like Jason. Uh, he says, are you so foolish? <laughs> Jason and Beth are watching my kids for four nights this week so that Chris and I can go to a, a, a church leaders conference. And so I can't believe I'm giving him such a hard time. It's like he's, the, he's like amazing, but that's how I show love. Okay, are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit... Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Meaning this, are you, are you so foolish to think that the way that you're united with God is by faith, but the way that you become like God or become like Jesus is by your flesh, is by trying harder? Don't be so foolish. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by you believing what you have heard by faith. He says, this is how, this is how we change. This is how we're united with God. It's through faith and Jesus's death for us. Faith, one-time faith, no work involved. One time you believe that and immediately you're saved from the penalty of sin. Then Paul says, and it's the same thing. Every aspect of our salvation from God is given to us through faith. So you want to know how you grow to become more like Jesus? By faith. Now, this is why it's called a work, though, because it's continuous faith. It's I got to believe this and believe this and believe this and believe this. I'm working this out. I'm working out what God has worked in. And as I'm trusting that he is going to keep his promise, that he's giving me the desire to do his will, and he's giving me the power to do his will, and I'm leveraging that, I'm believing that by faith, then I become like Jesus. Then I grow. And guys, it's because... This is not by our own power, but because this requires dependence on God. You could say it this way, on our workout partner. But don't say it like that. That's cheesy. But you could say, like, it's because of dependence on God is by how we grow. Then it makes sense why Paul says what he says at the beginning here when he says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. One sense it makes sense because fear and trembling, you're actually, like, there's a sense of awe like God is, the God of the universe is alive and active in you. And so there should be some reverence there. But I also think that this is a statement about fear and trembling because it's a, he's saying this is by faith. And there are times, probably lots of times, when you will not feel like this is true. <laughs> you're going to want to disobey God. You're going to want to sin, and you're going to say, I'm going to do that because I want to do that, which means I don't want to, do, to live according to his will, and I don't want to act according to his good purposes. You're going to feel that. Because that's why this is a step of faith. Like, Will I believe what God says is true even when I do not feel like it's true? 
Will I take God at his word? Even when I don't feel like I want to obey him, I'm trusting that deep within me, what I really want because of his work in my life is to obey him. And even though I don't feel, I don't feel like I have what it takes to obey him, what I will believe in faith is that because of his work within me, he's given me his power so I really do have what it takes to obey him. And guys, that's where the fear and trembling comes in. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I really have it. I don't feel like I have that. Will you have faith? When I think about this, I always think of Indiana Jones. Always Last Crusade. Do you remember that, 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 that uh, video? Let me, let me show it for you right here just so that you can, you know, just have it fresh in your mind. See the fear and trembling? That's what it will feel like at times. That's the decision that we have to make. If you want to grow, you got to believe this is what God's doing in me. He's at work causing me to will, causing me to act according to his good pleasures, even when I don't feel like it. And so you say, okay, God, I must step out. But there's some fear and some trembling. He's like, I don't know if I'm really going to, like, I don't know if I can follow through. I don't know if I have what it takes, but I'm going to trust. And you work out your salvation. You act on it by faith. You take that step of obedience. So how do you work it out? By exercising faith, believing that uh, working out what God has already worked in. Now, where do you do this? And here's what I think is really helpful in this passage is that Paul, he gets practical. And perhaps that's what you're saying. It's like, okay, I, okay, maybe I'm following, but like, what does that really look like in like real life, right? And so Paul, Paul that's where he goes in this passage. In fact, it kind of seems like a curveball. It's like this weird statement in the midst of all this. He just says this in verse 14. He says, uh, do everything without grumbling or arguing. And he's not going to say anything else other than he just throws that in there. And you think, okay, well, that's, 
okay? I, so I, I should never complain. That's good to know. Um, that's hard. But, uh, okay, uh, why did you say that? Well, Paul makes this statement here because he's connecting everything he just said to 12 and 13 to the context of talking about how we should relate to one another. Remember, that's all of, so far of chapter 2. And so he says, okay, remember, like we're to treat each other like Christ has treated us and we're to consider others' interests ahead of our own. And so let me, let me take what I just said and let me connect that, bring working out your salvation into the sphere of how we relate to one another. This is where we have to work out the most. It's with one another. It's in relationships. And he says, so here's what it looks like. When you serve people, when you consider them above yourself, when you put their interests ahead of your own, do that without complaining. Do that without grumbling. Do that without fighting. So we think, okay, <laughs> all right, so that's, that's the practical. And what does that really look like? How do I actually do that? Like, let's get it down to the road. You know, rubber meets the road here. So let me, let me just give you an example from my, my life. Let me actually go back to Tuesday night when I was such a punk. And uh, albeit, what I'm about to share came after I already complained, right? I already grumbled. I don't want to go out tonight on a date with my awesome wife, and I just want to stay home and watch TV. So I'd already done this, so I wish I'd applied this before that, but it was after that. But here's what it looked like for me. This is how I worked out my salvation from the power of sin. After talking with Krista, I got a, I got a second. I got a beat to be by myself. And I wrestled with God, or I worked out. And I told God, God, I, I don't want to go out tonight. Like, I really am tired. <laughs> I really want to stay home. I don't want to go out. And I know that you tell me that I should consider Krista's interests ahead of my own, but, like, I don't want to do that tonight. I don't. And then I asked him, God, will you help me? Because I can't do this on my own. And then I began to think about who God is, that's key, and what God has done, that's key. And I said, okay, do I believe this? Like That Jesus served me to the point of dying in my place because I'm selfish. Like, do I believe that? Like, yeah, I believe that. Okay, and my heart started to soften a little bit. And then I asked the question, God, okay, what... Help me, will you help me get in tune with what I really want? Because see, this passage, it tells me God is at work, caused me to want, to will, to honor him, and to act on that. So I said, God, will you help me get in tune with that? Because I know what I want. What I want is to stay at home. <laughs> but what do I really want because of your work within me? And here's what I began to realize. What I really want is I won't really want to love my wife well. And what I really want is to honor my Savior who died for me. That's what I really want. And then I said, all right, God, that's what I, yeah, that is what I really want. Now, will you give me the power to act on that? Because I'm dead tired. And I'm afraid that if I go out right now with Krista, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a dud. And she's already, I've already started off things on the wrong foot. So it's just going to be bad. I had faith that because God's at work causing me to will to act according to his good purposes, he's also going to give me the power to act on that. And so I stepped out in faith. And I took Chris on a date. We had a great time. Now, here's the thing. 
I know that's the easiest, like, most low-hanging fruit of application of following God. Like, oh, look at you. You took your wife on a date. Like, <laughs> this is simple, right? Like, but it, the process is the same. The choosing to obey God is going to be, there's definitely much more difficult scenarios that you find yourself in. There's much bigger habits that you have to overcome in order to become more like Jesus. That is so true. But listen, the process is the same. The means is the same. We grow by exercising our faith in what God, working out what God has worked in. And so you say, okay, what do I believe about who God is and what he said? And then am I going to take him at his word? And I'm going to ask him, okay, he says that he's, he's given me this will, this desire to, work, to, to, to live according to his good purpose. Okay, do I believe that? And you ask the question, what do I really want? And then you ask, God, will you give me the power to do it? Because I need you. I don't have it what it takes. I need you to take this step. And sometimes and oftentimes, with a lot of fear and trembling, you step out and you grow. And you become more like Jesus. And you're going to have to do that the most often in the area of relationships. That's where we grow. Finally, I'm going to just hit this bullet point because I'm out of time. But the passage ends with Paul pointing us to what results when we work out. And here's what he says. He says three things that will happen if we do this. Verse 18, he says, so that, that's the connection. So here's, you know, if you do this, here's what will happen. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So if you do this, you work out your salvation from the power of sin by exercising faith and by working out what God has worked in. If you do that, you're going to become more like Jesus. That's the first thing. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. This is a statement that says, as you become more like Jesus than to the people around you, you will give them a picture of what God is like. And as a result, you're going to shine like a star in the sky in the midst of a dark world, drawing people to the Father. So that's a big deal. And then he says, third thing, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And just to simply put that, this is what he's saying. He's like, if you do this, man, it's going to really encourage me. And what that means for us is when you choose to make this statement and to choose to work out your salvation this way. Those that are pouring into you, they're going to be really, really encouraged. And they're going to have reason to rejoice even here in the presence of Jesus because of how you're growing to be like Jesus, because of Jesus' work in your life. And we're going to rejoice in Jesus' presence. Guys, do you want to grow? you want to become more like Jesus? you want to shine like a star in the sky? You want to, have, want to help people come to know what God's like? You want to encourage those who are pouring into you? Do you want to encourage your partners in the gospel? Work out your salvation. Let's work this out by exercising faith, working out what he has worked in. Got it?
You want to talk more about this? I'd love to talk with you after the service. But I hope that we can begin to apply this this week by wrestling in these areas. And it's going to begin with oftentimes by saying, I don't feel like this is true. Think of Indiana Jones. Fear and trembling. Will you take God at his word? This is what he's promised. This is what he's doing inside of you. Work it out. Now, the reason why he's doing this inside of us is because of what he did for us on the cross. So as we end, we're going to take communion. And we're taking communion to remember that Jesus is the one who did the work for us to unite us with God, to save us from the penalty of our sin, to make it possible for us to be reconciled with God so that God can come to live within us and do this work inside of us. And so as we take communion, we take the bread and we take the cup, we remember Jesus' body broken for us, we remember his blood poured out for us. As we take this, let's rejoice in his work on our behalf and then allow that to bolster your faith that you can also trust his work in you to make you more like him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we need more faith. We need to have faith that you're doing this work, that you, we can take you at your word, and we can trust that you're at work within us, causing us to will and act according to or to fulfill your good purpose. God, will you help us grow to become more like Jesus as we exercise our faith? Even with fear and trembling, we trust you. May you grow us as we step out in obedience and we act on this faith of your work within us. Jesus, thank you that we can know that this is, this is a promise that you're going to keep because of the work that you did for us on the cross. Thank you for dying for us, that we can be united with you and that you, God, can be at work in our lives. We want to honor you, God. Will you make us more like you, Jesus? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.